Our gospel lesson for today, Easter Sunday, comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed, for you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, on this most blessed of days, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I got a haircut. Now, if you've known me for more than about 35 seconds, you know that I have a very basic haircut. You can see it right here in the video. I've been cutting my own hair for many, many, many years now. And this very basic hairstyle that I have, it's very easy to do. Essentially, I take a pair of clippers, I put the guard on for whatever length I want it, I follow the contours, and I cut my hair. It's impossible to screw it up. Now, over the course of the years that I have been doing this, of course, I have had different clippers that have worn out. The blades get dull, the clippers just wear out, I need to get new ones. And that happened, again, just previous to this most recent haircut. Now, this new pair of clippers that I got was the same brand and the same style as the previous one, and I thought it was identical, which it almost is, with one exception. And that exception is the guides that you put on for the different lengths. They're labeled slightly differently than my old ones. Well, folks, this time of year, when it's still not super warm out, I like to take my hair, which, as if you've seen me with, with my hair needing to be cut, it just poofs straight out, just, just long and straight out. And I cut it about once a month, and I take it down. And normally when I cut it this time of year, I try and cut it at one half inch. That's about right. That way my head doesn't get too cold if it's still chilly outside. It works out really well. So as I was looking through these new guides, I was trying to find the one that was labeled one half inch. I found one, it said one half on it. I put it on, I started cutting. I started cutting right here. And as I looked in the mirror, I thought to myself, that's really, really short, what's wrong? And I looked a little bit closer and I discovered my error that I had not grabbed the guide that was labeled one half inch, I had grabbed the guide that was labeled one half, like number one, two, three, four, five. This was number one half, and it was one sixteenth of an inch, almost sandpaper. And at this point, the whole side of my head has been cut. I'm committed. The only thing I can do is just buzz the rest of my head down short. Now, in addition, I also had taken my full beard down to a goatee, which you can see in the video I have now. So, so definitely a different look to my hair. Now, this happened on a Saturday night that I, that I had cut my hair. 
And, and of course, I thought it was kind of funny when this whole situation happened. So I also posted a picture on Facebook. So some people saw it on there. And then also, of course, the next morning, Sunday morning, my hair was, was drastically short. Now, all of this is important because of the reality of doing online worship videos just like you are watching right now. Now, normally when I record these videos, I record them on Friday and any major changes between Friday and Sunday morning in terms of appearance are going to be pretty minimal. This one, however, was quite drastic because I had not cut my hair yet on Friday when I recorded, and of course I had then by Sunday morning. But throwing an additional monkey wrench in these particular works is the fact that during the season of Lent, we also had our midweek worship services, which were online videos as well. And here's the real kicker. Because of the format that I was utilizing for our worship services for the midweeks this year, I was recording them quite a ways in advance, oftentimes anywhere from seven to 10 days in advance. And so because of that long lead time in terms of when I had recorded various videos, whether the Wednesday nights or the Sunday mornings, or for folks who were here in person and saw my hair like it was, my hair was doing some really weird stuff. For people who were paying attention, and there were several out there because I actually got a couple of comments about that, they noticed that my hair and my beard were doing strange things. My hair was going from really long to with a beard to, to very, very short and a goatee. Then all of a sudden in the next video, it was long again, and, and my beard was back and then my hair was short again it went long short long short long short it was really 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 strange it seemed to defy all logic because as we know hair and uh, hair on your head and beards don't go in and out like that but mine did now you might say that this was defying logic it, it defied all things that we seem like physically possible we might even call it miraculous Okay, not actually. We're not actually going to call my hair miraculous because this was simply because of different lead time on videos. But that same idea, the seemingly impossible nature of something physically happening is all over today's gospel. Easter Sunday. Folks, this is our Super Bowl. This is the big one. The day when the tomb is empty, when Jesus has risen from the dead, when whatever it is that God is trying to accomplish the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is now completed. Today is the day. But before we can get to the joy of this day, I think we need to remember everything that has gone on. Mark's gospel is wonderful. I love Mark's gospel and the way it starts. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. And the first thing that we hear out of Jesus right away within the, just within the first few verses of this wonderful gospel, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the mission of Jesus. This is what he's up to, even if we don't quite understand. Now, the mission of bringing about the kingdom of heaven, it manifests itself in many different ways. We see it in the way that Jesus connects with people, how he seeks out the marginalized, those who have been pushed to the edges. We see it in the way that he is able to overcome the power of, of, of diseases, that he's able to cure them, that he's even able to raise people from the dead, or he can cast out demons. And we see it in his teachings and the way that he relates with people and the way that he challenges the status quo. And he's giving us this new way of being in harmony with one another and with God, this way of love. But it's very, very contrary to the, uh, the, uh, the appearance of authority or power in the world. 
So contrary, in fact, that those who have authority, who have the seemingly possession of authority or the, the seats of power, they didn't seem to like it and they pushed back against it. Now, all of that culminates in what we have seen over the course of the last week, what we call Holy Week kicks off with Jesus coming into the city last week, Palm Sunday, to the, the glorious triumphal entry, and everyone's cheering for him, and Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And then gradually as the week goes on, things get a little more tense and a little more tense and a little more tense. And I'm pretty sure Jesus knew exactly what was coming. In fact, we know that he does because throughout the course of the Gospels, we hear him tell his followers time and time and time again, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be killed. And then it happens. We know on Monday, Thursday, the night of the Passover celebration, which is why they're in the city in the first place, he celebrates the Passover. He institutes Holy Communion, giving this parting gift, this parting command to his disciples, this new way of experiencing the connection with Jesus after he is gone. They do that. And then he is betrayed. He is arrested. He is put on trial, and he is tortured, and ultimately he is killed by hanging on the cross, the ultimate method of execution perfected by the Romans, this terrible, terrible death, this terrible death that is to prove as an example for those who rise up against their power and their authority. That's why he was ultimately killed as an enemy to the power of the world. When Jesus shows us this new way, the power of the world pushes back even to the point of death. Now, all logic tells us death is the end that this is it, that you can't come back from that. Our experience has shown us that time and time and time again, death is final. And for Jesus to die, the one who is bringing about this kingdom of heaven, this one who is showing us the way, this new way of being in harmony, now it seems that's over. When we consider these dark moments that we have focused in on over the course of the last week, we also think about the idea that Jesus is alone. And in many ways, yes, he is. In many ways, Jesus feels abandoned, even by, by God the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And even though his closest followers had all one by one abandoned him, we must remember that there are some who watched all of this happen. And we hear about this in all four Gospels. It doesn't matter which one we're reading. We hear it, that there were witnesses, and those witnesses to his his execution, his witnesses to his crucifixion, witnesses to his death, and his burial in the tomb are the women. This is important as we pick up our story today. The women are coming to the tomb, those same women who had stood there two days prior on Friday when his dead body was taken down off the cross. They watched as he was laid in the tomb. They saw where it happened. The scripture is very clear about that. These same women now, that the Sabbath is over and the, the earliest light of the new day, Sunday morning, the first day of the week, the time when they can finally come and do this last bit of action, this last gift to their rabbi, to their Lord, to their master, to the one that they loved. They're going to anoint his body in the tomb to prepare it ultimately for burial. That is what they're going to do. But as they're going, they're concerned. Who's going to roll away the stone? We know that this stone is there. We can't move it ourselves, but they're going to go anyway. They're going to find a way. Nothing is going to deter them. And it's when they arrive at the tomb that they find things are different. Things have gone amiss. The first thing they find is that the stone is rolled away. And as they duck and, and creep themselves into this tomb, which is this tiny, tiny little thing hewn out of rock, carved out of rock, they walk in, and as they look, they expect to see the body of Jesus because they watched it laid there a couple of days in advance, and now it's not there. 
And that's troubling. It's strange. It's defying all logic. And even more so, there's this angel sitting there. And folks, whenever we encounter an angel in the scriptures, this divine being, I guess whether it's an angel or whether it's the spirit of the Lord or whatever, it seems time after time after time, the person who's having that encounter is terrified. I can only imagine that those heavenly beings are beyond our ability to truly comprehend and they are scared. We hear that awe seizes them, that they are terrified. And yet this angel is here with good news and assures them, do not be afraid. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, the one who was crucified, the one you saw was crucified. He is not here. He has been raised. Look, here is where they laid him. Now, the women are scared. The women are perplexed. They're terrified. They're confused. They're overcome with with all of this angst. They just don't know what to do. But he reminds them of the message that Jesus himself had given them. Go and tell his disciples to go into Galilee. He has gone on ahead of you. There you will find him. And the women, they have this message. They have this task. They are the first ones who witness the empty tomb, the evidence of the resurrection, and they are given the message to go and proclaim it to the disciples, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing from the very get-go. Followers of Christ are called to proclaim the empty tomb that he has risen but this is so mind-blowingly terrifying for the women it's defying so much logic this man who we knew who we watched die who we saw laid right here is now not here because apparently he's been risen logic is blown it doesn't work and they just don't even know what to do with it It ends so abruptly here in Mark's gospel. I actually really appreciate it. We hear the very end of Mark's gospel, the true end of the original manuscripts that we can find is that they fled and that terror had had seized them. They were so scared, they said nothing to anyone. They were so scared, they didn't know what to do. Things had been so upended, they were terrified. Now, when we consider the other gospels, when we consider the other stories that we have and things go on, we know that what happens. We know that Jesus is out walking around because he's been raised. Death no longer holds him. He has overcome somehow the power of death. But the women didn't know that. In that instant, what they are experiencing and what logic tells them should be and no longer is, it's overwhelming. And folks, this year, I think that's probably something we can relate to. Over the course of the last just over a year, we've been experiencing the ongoing reality of COVID. And I can remember recording the video for Easter for a year ago, and we were only a few weeks into it. And it was strange, and we didn't quite know what to expect because we couldn't be here together. Now, as things have moved forward, and and yet nothing has really happened like any of us expected it to, we're all kind of confused, and we're perplexed, and we're frustrated. And while there are some encouraging things with how some things are going, there's also some frustrating things with how other things are going. And how we expect things to happen is not how things are happening. And that is ultimately the case all over the world right now. And yet, if we really think about it, even though it seems very acute for us now, in this moment, it's also a reality that we face all the time. Because folks, all we can do is react to the moment that we're in. We can't see the future. And even in times when we feel like we have some idea of what's going to happen, ultimately, we know that we don't. And so this is an ongoing reality as we move into this unknown future. And the women were in the same boat. 
God was inviting them into something and in fact tasking them with proclaiming something amazing, something that was so amazing it defied all logic, period. Logic tells us death is the end, that death wins. But when I think about that and I think about Easter and this new reality that maybe death doesn't win, I'm reminded of a basketball game that happened a few years ago. Folks, we're at the tail end of March Madness right now, even though it's April. And I'm remembering March Madness from about four, maybe five years ago. I was watching a UNI game, Northern Iowa. They were playing. I was at a friend's house, and we're watching. And at the last second, they're down. They're losing, and they have to cover the entire length of the court. And they do so, and somehow this one random player from half court lobs up this last second shot. It has no business. It's over. It's done. The other team wins, but he makes the basket. And now the, 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 the losing team has become the winning team. And maybe, just maybe, when we think about whatever it is that God is doing, whatever it is that God is continuing to invite us forward into, in this moment, what we celebrate is that death, seemingly being the victor, is no longer the winner. Death is still a reality. It's still present. But what we learn with the tomb being empty, confusing as it is, is that the promise of God to always invite us forward means that not even death is going to beat us. Not even death will overcome. Not even death can separate God from those whom God claims. We see this with Jesus when God raises him from the dead. And that same promise, that same promise of the resurrection is one that we have been claimed and join in as well. Jesus promises when he is lifted up on the cross, somehow he draws all people to himself. And that is what has been accomplished. Now, folks, I don't understand how it works. It's confusing to me, too, and yes, it defies all logic. Sometimes it's even scary to consider this unknown that God might be drawing us into. But I believe, ultimately, the promises of God are worth it. They're wonderful. They're glorious, even when they don't make sense. May we hold on to that on this most blessed day.